grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A number of years ago, uh, a man by the name of Stephen Covey wrote a book that really uh, set the, the minds of businessmen and women in high gear. It was called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And its principles that are laid out are both timeless as well as transferable to, to nearly any situation. And this was the second habit of those seven. He said, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. In other words, if you and I can consciously be thinking about where we are and where we want to go, or what we want to do, then we're far more likely to be successful in, in arriving there. So, I would suggest that you and I do that right here and now. Let's reflect on where we are, as well as ultimately where it is that we want to be. As I said at the opening, uh, we have now begun this season of Advent. The word Advent means arrival or coming. And as God's children, it points to the arrival of Jesus, of course. Not only to his first arrival there as a baby in Bethlehem, but also to the second coming, to his final arrival on the last day. And don't we all agree that those two, those two arrivals, those two comings, are and will be the greatest events of all of history? We can think of them as, as bookends which dwarf everything else in between. So in keeping with Stephen Covey's principle of beginning with the end in mind, it's Jesus' second coming that we're focused on today. And, and that's really the main point. The Lord of the universe is coming. We should have no doubt, no question, no uncertainty about that whatsoever. Jesus promised it. The scriptures talk about it repeatedly. And third, the signs that we are to be looking for in advance of His coming, we see those playing out today. The only unknown is when. So let me turn your attention back to our Gospel reading for this morning. Matthew 24, verse 36. Jesus is speaking and He says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. Sounds like a, a best kept secret, doesn't it? And really, it is. Not, not the fact of His coming, that's for sure, but the timing of it. The moment that we see Jesus coming in the clouds, that, that split second when we see Him arriving in all of His glory and majesty, coming to take the people of God home, that, that moment hasn't been told to the angels. 
Not even Jesus knows when that will be. Only the Father. But in the verses that follow this, Jesus tells us what we can know. He said, first of all, we can be sure of this, that the, the complete surprise of His coming will be as it was in the days of Noah. And you know how that went down. For everyone except Noah and his family, life was just business as usual. People were carrying on as they always had. Either they knew nothing about the Lord's coming or they had no concerns about it. The thing that kept them preoccupied was just simply living one day at a time. Paying the bills. Taking care of things around the house. Could that be happening today? And could it be happening now? And most importantly, could it be happening with us? Or as a devoted follower of Jesus, are, are you and I beginning with the end in mind? That's our everyday challenge, isn't it? Even if we are looking forward to our Lord's return, it's, it's so easy for us to be distracted. I mean, we've got bills to pay. We've got leaves to rake and so on. But should those kinds of things cause us to dismiss the promise of our Lord's second coming? Can those things make us oblivious to the Word of God? No, not unless, not unless we allow them to. <clears throat> and so this is the point that I see Jesus making here. He said that in the days of Noah, people were doing the things that people need to do. Ordinary, common, everyday stuff. But it was like they were also wearing blinders. They had closed their minds to what Noah had said to them, any kind of warnings. They, they had no interest in why he was building that gigantic boat. Well, that much you and I can do something about. That much you and I can change. Because the Holy Spirit is daily and quietly prompting us to do so. Let me give you a couple of examples how. Let's say you're sitting at your table or at your, your desk at home and you're paying your bills. Why not use that simple everyday chore to think to yourself or maybe even to say to your family, you know, as much as I hate shelling out this money, it reminds me of two things. It reminds me that God is faithful, that the Lord will provide and it also reminds me that God is faithful to His promises. Jesus is coming again. Or do this. Um, as you're outside raking or blowing your leaves into piles, does that take much concentration? No. Of course not. I mean, I, I do it every year. And sometimes if Kim is helping me, she might say, oh, Honey, what are you thinking about? 
And I hate it when she asks that question. I didn't know that raking leaves or cutting the grass was supposed to be a, a thinking thing. But it could be. Even as simple a chore as that could bring to mind this verse from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. It says, The grass withers and the flowers fall and the leaves drop, but the Word of our God stands forever. Which Word? Well, all of them, of course, but especially Jesus' Word of hope. His word of promise that He is coming back to take us home. My friends, that day is coming. Our Savior is coming. So, because it is, what's the message that Jesus wants to say to you? Matthew 26, excuse me, 24, verse 42. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. That, that's what we focus on today. Keep watch. Be alert. Be vigilant. Stay on guard. Over and over, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we're urged to live that way. To be alert and watchful of both the dangers and the opportunities of Jesus' second coming. So what will that coming mean for you? At His return, will, will Jesus serve as judge and jury? When He comes in all of His glory, when He comes and gathers the nations before Him, will He separate the people like like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats? Of course he will, yes. There is no such thing as a, as a universal salvation. Don't believe for a second anyone who tells us that because God is merciful, everyone will be saved. That's, that's a lie. Even at the end of this very next chapter in Matthew, Jesus Himself says that they, the unbelievers, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So then the question is, what makes us righteous? Before Jesus gave this verse I just quoted, He was commending the people for the things that they had done for Him. The fact that they had given Him food and drink. He applauded those who saw a stranger and invited a man who, who cared for the sick and visited those in prison. Jesus said that whenever they did it for others, they were, they were really doing it for Him. So, is that why He called them righteous? Well, no, not at all. They, they weren't even aware that they were doing these things for Jesus. It took them completely by surprise. They were simply living out their faith in the Lord. They were putting their faith in Jesus to work. And that's the basis of theirs and our righteousness. 
Throughout the scriptures, we're told that the righteous will live by faith. And faith works. Faith is active. So back to my earlier question. Why is Jesus telling you and me to keep watch, to stay alert? Well, as a righteous one, as a person who lives by faith, His second coming, this last day, will be a day of awesome, incredible magnificence. We have the glory of the Lord coming. Why? Because because by faith we know Him as Lord. Let me read verse 42 again. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Your Lord is the one that that you look to above all others. Your Lord is the one that you trust to, to protect and to provide. To forgive and to restore you. Your Lord is the one who has first place in your life. And that doesn't change the fact that you and I are going to mess up in life. We're going to sin. We're going to sometimes disappoint this person or hurt that one. There will be times and perhaps even seasons when we, when we don't keep watch. But when those things happen, you as a righteous one can admit it, can confess it, can turn from it, can say, for this I have Jesus, and you'll be forgiven. My friends, what I love about the gospel is this. God's good news is so good that that we don't even we don't even expect it. It's all grace. And, and where else do we experience grace? So when Jesus tells us to keep watch for his second coming, when he says it will be such a surprise, it will be like a thief breaking into your house, he is saying that as your Lord, as the one who loves you so much that he died and rose for you. Our Lord does not control us by fear. He is not the cosmic killjoy. He came into this world the first time so that we might have life. A new life. Life to the full because our old life, it was so empty and it it stunk. But Jesus came to live in you and to connect you to the living God so that your life now can be fruitful. He came to share with you and me the greatest power on earth, and that is His resurrection power. In Philippians 3, Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. So practically speaking, what what does all of that mean for us day to day? Well, when our Lord is the one who tells us to keep watch, it's for two reasons. First of all, so that we can live with with overflowing joy. 
Uh, from time to time, we hear stories about a, a child that is rescued from drowning by a, a fireman or a policeman or a, or a bystander who happens to jump in and, and save the child from drowning. And let's suppose that afterwards that, that child is taken to the hospital and they're, they're just not feeling well at all until they're told that the one who saved them is coming to visit them. And all of a sudden, everything changes. Well, child of God, that's your story. That's my story. When we were drowning in, in the condemnation of our sin, Jesus came to our rescue. He subjected His own life to death so that we might have a second chance to live. So that we could be forgiven and healed. And now, He is the one who's promising to come and see us. But Jesus sweetens the deal. He's not just coming to see us. He's coming to take us home with Him. What joy! So of course we want to be ready for that day. It'll be the, the best day ever. And this is also what it means for us to keep watch for His coming. As you wake up each morning, let me ask you to say these words. This could be the day. What if that was your first thought each and every day? If it were, you would live that whole day with great expectation. Wouldn't you like that more than just kind of dragging yourself out of bed and bemoaning the fact that you've got another 24 hours of the same old, same old? How many people do you know that wake up and their first words were, good Lord, it's morning. When you and I can say, good morning, Lord, Jesus urges us to keep watch because of the good things that we can expect. The warmth of summer. The beauty of the fall leaves. A fire in the fireplace in the winter and, and spring grass and, and flowers coming to life. Let's keep watch for those kinds of things. But also for these, let's keep our eyes open to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit all around us. To the ways that He makes the presence of Christ aware to us. The ways He, he provides His protection and His mercy in our lives. How during our quiet times, He gives us insights. And through the kindnesses of others, those reminders that we are loved by God Himself. Keep watch for those things. Keep living with the expectation of seeing the grace of God at work in you and through you. And ultimately, ultimately, of seeing the Son of God come back for you. Keep watch. Be ready. Because He's coming. Amen. And may the peace of God that passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds 
in Christ Jesus. Amen.